You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life, and how you can do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. If you missed last week's episode, this is a new series we're calling Weekend Conversations. Each week, I'm going to take a deeper dive into an article or an interview that I shared that week. And joining me to help lead the conversation is Mick Sloan, who is the co-producer of the podcast. How are you doing, Mick? Doing well. How are you? Good. All right. I'm going to turn it over to you. I know you had some questions about this week's Friday Forward Boiling Points, which published yesterday. Yeah. So this one is a fun one, a little different from the one we talked about last week. So the article essentially at a high level discusses what happens when small frustrations fester into huge rifts. And you used a personal story as an example. Can you recap that story? Sure. And I, it might have been a conversation I think we had that, that prompted this story. I think you asked me, well, when did I really lose my temper? And, and it, I think it it's was. Something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to know when the last time you truly lost your temper with someone was. It's something I really try not to do, but this was the first uh, story that came to mind. And I guess it requires a little bit of background. So, I mean, this is probably 12 or 14 years ago at this point. Um, where we used to live, uh, there were sort of three houses on one street and three houses on another street that were uh, parallel to each other uh, with backyards all faced each other. Um, so there were six houses. They all had like the same size backyard. And it kind of looked like a field. No one put fences up. Um, it was nice. It was just sort of this open uh, area. But, you know, as, as with properties, everyone knew where their property line was. When it came time to mow the lawn, or on, on those days, you could see that everyone understood their, their property line. But it was just this big open thing and kind of fences would have looked uh, strange. So we actually had a jungle gym out towards the, the middle uh, of that area to the edge of our property line because it went downhill. And that was the the flattest point. Um, it was all good. We didn't really have any, any issues. Uh, and then a neighbor moved in, uh, who wasn't in one of those six houses, but if you can imagine sort of, they were off to the side, uh, we were kind of on the left side of one of those threes and then there were three across and they were sort of on a different street perpendicular and they had sort of a smaller yard and then a fence and some trees and stuff. And, you know, we met them cause they were kind of walking out <laughs> in the yards one day, uh, very nice. And and they said, how does this kind of public space work or park work or whatever? Can't remember the term that they called it now. And we were, well, it kind of works that like, this is our yard and that's their yard and, that, and that's their yard. And, you know, they all just connect and, and we've left them open. And I, I think they were out there again and they had young kids. And, and um, so we said, look, feel free to kind of use the swing set um, goes into the no good deed goes unpunished. Um, bucket and you know there was just they started using it kind of more regularly i think there were a couple occasions where we'd be like out on the deck having dinner uh with a you know another family or friends and like they're kind of in our backyard on the swing set and just some things that lack some emotional uh awareness and you know i thought about kind of saying something but i didn't they asked me about well can we buy sand for the sandbox in the swing set and i was like no all good. Like I didn't want to kind of establish the communal um, property, but it also just wasn't a super durable swing set. Like we kind of let one of our kids go on on the time or on the top or or otherwise. And and so yeah, there were a couple points where it was a little awkward. It was a little frustrating, and I just I didn't say anything. Uh, and then 
one day, <laughs> I mean, I can visualize this as I'm saying it. Like, I'm not even being hyperbolic. I come home and there's like a birthday party in my backyard. There's kids biking around on bikes. And I was like very serious about my grass, uh, dirt bikes in my backyard. There's like 20 adults and kids. There's like five kids hang off my swing set. And they sort of were having a birthday party or something for one of their kids on our jungle gym in our yard and that of our neighbors. And I just completely lost it. Like to me, it was kind of a huge disrespect thing. And I, I lost it on them and, everyone in front of everyone and and they went back and uh you know they came over that night and and tried to have a conversation and and were pretty shocked about the whole thing i think and and then you know anything this happens i think i kind of went into the the history of it and you know we never really kind of spoke uh again so i i think the moral you know of this i i've seen it was sort of a you know pattern you've seen of when you when you kind of don't address these small things head on and as they're building, you're kind of leading yourself off into one of these uh, eventual outbursts. And then that, then the awkward conversation that you are avoiding uh, becomes extremely awkward. And uh, look, I don't think by any means what they did was right, but I also don't think my response was measured or, or right at all either. So just to give some context for the listeners, Bob and I have known each other for eight years at this point. We've worked together pretty much every day for four and a half years. I have never had you lose your temper at me in the entire time I have known you. It is really, truly rare. And so I'm so curious. Take me back to that moment. Why do you think you got so mad? What do you think was the trigger point for you? There are a couple of things, and I think these goes to values. Like I, I think I, the times I've gotten most upset or most upset with my kids or otherwise are sort of about issues of of respect. Like I, I think you should respect, and and I I I am very you know generous with my things, but I ask people to respect them. Like if they borrow my car, if they take something, or the kids, I expect them to be put back where they use them. And it just felt like a huge. It just, I don't know. It just felt so wrong to come home to a whole bunch of kids. It, it, the kids biking on my grass, I think, was the real uh, trigger. I mean, I would never let my, I wouldn't, we would never let our own kids bike on our lawn. So to me, when you're using something of someone else's or doing something, you should take utmost care and you should, you know, there are five kids on top of the jungle gym. Like it just, the whole thing lacked a lot of uh, awareness. And I guess I just, I, I thought it was incredibly kind of disrespectful to, to do that, particularly without asking someone or having a conversation. All, self-awareness is pretty important to me too. And I think that that just wholly lacked <laughs> self-awareness on a, on a very high level. And I, and I think, yeah, if I, I get frustrated when people have open displays of, of low self-awareness. And so the key theme of the post obviously is being careful about putting aside or suppressing feelings of small annoyances, because as you were saying, we often put these things off because we don't want to have a difficult or awkward conversation, but we end up turning it into kind of a blow up that could be more awkward or uncomfortable. You mentioned values as a, a rubric. Do you think that values are a good test in determining in the moment this is something I have to speak up on versus something that I think eventually could let go? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, look, I think 
for anything, there's kind of a 24-hour rule, right? But so does it bother you the next day? You're like, no big deal. If it is a values thing, um, it's probably going to come back up. And and if you keep having the recurring issue and you're suppressing it versus, again, it was a one and done, we all have these things where we get hot and heavy and then it kind of boils over. Uh, you know, I also wrote about the 24-hour rule. But I think if, you know, if there's multiple instances and and look, one of the biggest places that I see this is is actually in leadership and with new managers. Um, I've seen over and over again, you know, where or people have a problem and think about, you know, one of the things we always tried to espouse it at, at Acceleration Partners is give feedback in real time, right? A review in 90 days shouldn't be a list of all these grievances from 90 days ago. You should bring up the things as they happen. And then, you know, a check-in is a kind of time to recalibrate uh, around those. But I've seen so many managers struggle, right? They don't want to have an awkward conversation. They don't want to have a difficult conversation so they don't say it. And then you end up in that 90-day review listing 100 things that were wrong and talking about these systemic problems. And then people are blindsided. And then, like I said, it's a similar. It's always a much, much harder conversation. So... I've seen this pattern over and over again in leadership. And it usually takes someone really having one of these horrible situations to then, you know, develop the <laughs> the willpower to say, I'm not going to put off these conversations anymore because I keep trying to save myself some anguish or some uncomfortableness. And all that results is, is something a lot worse because inevitably the person's like, how could you not tell me this? If this was bothering you, think about a relationship, you know, same thing. As soon as the dam bursts, all the old water, you know, comes in and, and you start and you did this a month ago and you did this three months ago and you did this six months ago. And we always say we're going to put those things away and, you know, tuck them away. But as soon as the dam bursts, all the dirty water comes in and, and then it's then it's a mess to clean up. I think a lot of people probably <laughs> recognize that that could happen in personal relationships, too. Yeah. And so at, from a leadership standpoint. Have you observed in coaching other leaders and working with people, are there things that you found that people often think that they might be able to just let go or tolerate, but actually they're the types of classic things that turn into long simmering resentment that can explode? Yeah, I, I think it's more that people convince themselves that, it, that they actually know that it's a problem and they know it's a big deal. But they talk themselves out of it because that means having an awkward conversation, right? And that could have also been a title of this post, kind of awkward conversation. So, uh, I look, I've talked myself out of so many of these things. Oh, it was a one-time thing. It'll go away. It's not a big deal. I'll say something next time. And so I actually think more often than not, we know when it's a real problem. We know that something needs to be addressed. It's just we try to avoid discomfort. Um, so it's it's really easy to... We lie to ourselves a lot, and um, there's a lot of white lies you can tell yourself around, oh, it'll, it'll get better or otherwise, versus, again, sometimes I think, conversely, it is easier to address it earlier, and then if you have to address it again, you already have that case where it's a Mick, you know, I, last week we talked about, like, kind of, like, coming over and just getting on the swing set while we're on dinner with our family is weird, like... <laughs> You know, um, and then you did it again. Like, so, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a surprise at that point. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. 
The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So you talk a lot about the importance of having clarity on core values, core principles, and those can be a good litmus test for if something is a violation that you will not be able to tolerate in the long term, even if you think you might. For people who don't have that degree of clarity or who are maybe listening to this thinking, well, I don't know what my core values are. What do you think is a good way to understand in the moment if something that you are feeling, an annoyance that you are feeling, is like a garden variety thing that you just have to learn to let go of versus something that just is actually like painful and you know that you can't in the long run abide by? Yeah, I, I think, well, one, is it is it sort of a, a transactional experience with someone who you're not going to have a relationship and might go away? I think then sometimes it might is it worth it, right? I think it's very different if you're going to be in a longer term relationship or there's sort of a recurrence. I think the, you know, we, we talked about this in, in a recent leadership minute on objection handling, but I think the, the kind of why or two or three whys would help too. Like what, why is this bothering me? Like why? And, and then answer that and then say, and why is X? So, you know, if I said in that case, why is this bothering me? Well, it really bothers me when people use my things without asking. Well, why does using your things, because to me that, you know, that's uh, like, you're not supposed to do that or that's disrespectful or, okay, well, why is it, you know, I, I think you, you get a couple of things deeper and really see like, again, and then for me that just, in that case, I think it was a, a huge act of sort of low self-awareness and disrespect, which are two things that are always <laughs> frustrating for me. As a leader, what do you personally do to decide what you can tolerate and what you need to maybe confront someone about? Yeah, I, I guess it's sort of a two-part test. Like, how important is it? And then what is the right time frame? I, I always believe in the 24-hour kind of cooling off period, right? I mean, I have tons of emails and letters and things saved in folders that I have never sent when I was smashing, typing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> probably really angry and it's good to get it out and it's cathartic to get it out in the moment but then you realize oh you know what it 
it's not worth it. I don't feel the same. Again, in those moments, your system is flooded with cortisol. You are in fight or flight mode. And, and I think it's it's better to wait sort of for calmer times. But I think for me, is it is it going to recur? Is it going to be an ongoing problem? Is it something that that person is going to need to know in order to make that relationship work, whether it's a personal relationship, a professional relationship, or otherwise? And then I think there's probably some aspect, is this about me or is this about them, right? And if there's something that really bothers you about someone that's just more of how they're being, then again, I think that also requires some different introspective. If it's not something they are doing to you, uh, like again, being in my lawn is, as you could argue, is doing something to me. But that's different from if they just behaved in a way that irritated me or rubbed me the wrong way. Like sometimes I need to look kind of inward and like, what? why is it that that bothers me if it's not about me or doesn't involve me. If they had hypothetically been riding dirt bikes on their own lawn, and if you had been standing on your porch saying, you know, how can they mess up their grass like that? I would never want someone to do that on my grass. That maybe that would have been different. Yeah. And, and, and I shouldn't really get angry about that. Like, what, you know, what kind of people don't respect their grass? Like that's a totally different, you know, set of problems that I would, that I would have. Um, but yeah, I, I do think sometimes you know, in the workplace, people have different styles, they have different ways of doing things, they have different whys, they have different values. And we're, we're, we're more frustrated, you know, that it's different or not what we have done it, you know, that's not a great reason to give feedback or otherwise, where you're just, you, you need to internalize that someone's different or doing it in a different way or acts in a different way. I think it's, it's different when, you know, if you walk out of a room and five people after the meeting say something to me about you being unprepared and kind of a mess, and you were the only one to not know it, then I feel pretty comfortable that it's not a me and you issue, you know, that it's that it's something that you have a blind spot around. So actually, I want to flip this around a little bit and talk about, because this relates to what you were talking about, the concept of self-awareness. What about a situation where a person might feel like someone is frustrated with them and that they're getting hints that they might be getting on that person's nerves, that their behavior might be agitating them. Do you think in cases like that, it is helpful for the person to initiate that conversation and say, Hey, you know, I've, I've noticed that you've seemed a little irritated when I did this or when I did that. Do you want to talk about this? Do you think that that forcing the issue the other way is good? I actually think it makes it easier on everyone because when you do that, you totally open the door. I've never seen someone yell at someone for saying that, right? I mean, a lot of times they are avoiding the confrontation and say, no, no, it's totally fine or whatever. But then you've kind of put them on notice um, that you notice the outcome. And look, it shows a high degree of self-awareness and it opens the door for someone to say something. I, I think you know, nine out of 10 times that I have probably said that to someone, it, there's a there there. <laughs> um, and maybe the other 10, other one time, there was a there there, but what they said there wasn't. Um, and, and, and look, if you open that opportunity and they're still not willing to jump through that door, then you're probably setting yourself up for an even bigger uh, blow up somewhere down the line. But I think that's an important point. I think, yeah, if we, f if we feel that it can be really helpful to, open that up to the other other person again sometimes again you're they're just trying to in trying to be kind it's not that kind at all because you're not telling people the truth yeah and i i can definitely think of cases where i i wish i had been more proactive about those types of things and bringing things 
bringing things to the surface when I detected that maybe something was going on. Like I, I can think of an example actually with the two of us working together where there was like a period at one point where I, I pushed back a couple of deliverables and said, well, I didn't have time to get to this this week or to this week. And it always felt wrong pushing those things back. And I wanted to proactively say something to you about it. But I, I was like, well, you know, I, I shouldn't worry about this for no reason, all of that. But when we had a conversation about it and basically talked about me needing to prioritize things the right way to make sure I was getting things done correctly, I did in that moment find myself wishing that I had brought up the issue earlier because I think that I could have addressed it with a bit more proactivity on my part. And as soon as we had like a conversation about it, I was just like, well, I, I know I haven't been doing this. I'm sorry, et cetera. Yeah, the, the, there's a difference between what we know and that earlier is better and what we do. And again, it is just the avoidance of uh, conflict or the avoidance of pain. And I think it's a very natural thing to want to avoid that. Um, it just doesn't ever result in uh, less pain. <laughs> Or, or less awkwardness, you know, and I think we had sort of a, a, we did have a conversation about that. We had kind of a, hey, what is going on here? Uh, conversation that had we kind of chipped away at that a month earlier, it, it might not have been necessary. So look, as I say this, there are probably two or three of these conversations that I am, you know, avoiding personally or professionally or family wise. I think all of us have one. If we said, what's, what's the conversation you're avoiding here, here and here? And we'd say, I don't know. But then I do the Philip McKernan and say, if you did know, what would it be? And then, you know, everyone, you know, if you say that one, the one in your head and you're like, wait, can you see that? So I look, we, we all have those. Um, this is easier said than done. But I think the story was just meant to be an illustration to think about think about those conversations and think about where where it might be better to head those some of those off sooner rather than later. And it also, it's a concept that applies so universally, like the idea of doing something that's a little hard in the moment to avoid it becoming much more difficult in the future. That can be about your to-do list or about your priorities or about the amount of work you're willing to do in a given day. Like that's deciding to go to the gym when you don't want to, like it, it's applicable in so many contexts. Yeah. I mean, there's the, uh, we just, I don't, we haven't released it yet, but it's coming up soon. Uh, Brad Peterson's episode on the Elevate podcast. And one of my favorite things that Brad said was his dad sort of ingrained in him. There's two prices you can pay, the price of discipline or the price of regret. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think that's a that's worthy of a sign or a, a quote somewhere on, on a desk. That's a pretty great quote. And speaking of quotes, the quote of the week is from Ambrose Bierce. And it is, speak when you are angry, and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. <laughs> what drew you to that quote? Yeah, you know, I, I found a couple, but somehow that one um, was, I think, just just head on. Uh, I mean, I might have made a really poignant speech that day, but I was also probably an asshole. So, you know, it, from everyone's perspective, that was there who who didn't have the context. I think... Look, the best speeches that I've given are the ones where I thought about them a lot. <laughs> I've, I've, I've practiced them. It's gone through my head. I've filtered out the words. I think, yeah, there's some great impromptu speeches in the world. Uh, but when they're driven by anger, it's usually uh, not the case. So I found that the things where I've spoken really well are the things where I thought about it a lot and thought about the words that I'm going to use, or I've practiced it, or I've rehearsed it, or, or I'm ready for it. Not, not where some, 
moment of anger uh, got me on a, a stage or a soapbox. It was like your Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth moment. Yeah, that was a great angry speech, though. Uh, probably one of the best lines of all time. So we'll call that the exception and not the rule. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to check out the post we just discussed, go to robertglazer.substack.com and look for Boiling Points. Also be on the lookout for future editions of Weekly Conversations, which will be in your feed on Saturday morning. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you can know about the new episodes. Until next time, keep elevating. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.